Today on Impulse, I'm backing in with Sam from over at Infant Backlog to discuss E3. But more specifically, we're going to be discussing our favorite moments, announcements, and highlights from E3 at all the various conferences and shows. So, uh, first up, Sam, was EA. Yeah, yes, uh, that, uh, that was, I think, the evening for me, so, um... No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, it was early. It was early morning. Uh, it was at a respectable time. I think it was like five a.m. for me at the time. Um, and the first thing I got up for was uh, Star Wars: Fallen Order. So uh, that got announced earlier this year, but we finally got to see some uh, some gameplay of of it and uh, how things are going to look in that game. And uh, I don't know. Um, I think, and we both agree on this that. Uh, the game looks a wee bit too much like Force Unleashed, doesn't it? Yeah, and I know there's Force Unleashed fans out there, but I, I'm definitely not in that camp. Um, I was surprised how much it looked like Force Unleashed. Like, that initial, like, shot when the demo starts, when he Force pushes open that door, looks straight out of Force Unleashed. And I'm a little bit less excited than I was. Like, I personally was hoping, and I, I know I'm in the minority here, but I was hoping for a first-person Star Wars adventure from Respawn. You're thinking more like the uh, the old Jedi Knight games. Exactly. You know, like, like I was forces. definitely hoping more in the vein of Jedi Knight than Force Unleashed, but I get it. I guess Force Unleashed, I, I don't know if that sold incredibly well. It must have, because that's that's what they're seeming to be heavily basing this on in terms of, like, styling and, and gameplay. Basically, I'm a schmuck. I'll buy it anyways and play it, because, you know, I'm, I'm deprived of Star Wars games, so it, it's something, at least. It's better than nothing. Moving on from that, uh, you know, they showed off a fair bit at EA, but we're just going to cover, like I said, the highlights and our favorite moments. So for me, personally, and once again, I'm probably in the minority on this. Everyone probably cared more about Star Wars, but I was more interested in the Battlefield Five announcements. Uh, it's getting four new maps throughout the summer, and the Pacific Conflict, more importantly, is coming this fall. Like, that's what I'm excited about. I was a huge fan of Battlefield 1942 and 1943, pretty much the same names, you know, across different hardware. And I've always enjoyed that aspect of those games. Now, I believe they, um, for the Pacific uh, Theater, they name-dropped Iwo Jima, so uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be something. As well as, uh, I believe, two other maps in the future. Because I think with a lot of the Pacific Conflict, uh, sort of towards the tail end of things, um, America was more or less just pushing all of their soldiers onto these small islands that the Japanese occupied. And some of them actually uh, managed to survive all that and continued fighting, thinking that the war was still going on for years and years to come, too. <laughs> In the jungle, it's just lost. <laughs> just waiting. But uh, other than that, you know, there's just a bunch of, like, Madden and, and FIFA. I, like, I tuned out for that. But the EA show this year was really, like, padded out with... Here's a new trailer, and then here's heads talking for like 30 minutes. I didn't really pay attention to a whole lot of it. I um I remembered that I uh, got up to listen to Star Wars. I got up for the Battlefield stuff, and I think I went back to sleep again to uh to wait for Microsoft. Yeah, can't believe me on that because that was really early in the morning. As for our readers, we we've been taking actually polls for each conference this year. And uh, EA uh, did not go too well. In terms of the overall percentages, uh, 52% of people hated it. 42% thought it was just okay. 2% or 2.9% to be more accurate enjoyed it. And only 2.2% loved it. So moving on though, up next was Microsoft. So Microsoft, that was at a more respectable time in the morning. It started at 8am for me. So the joys of living in GMT plus 12 land. Yeah. I thought overall Microsoft did pretty good. 60 games, you know, quite a, quite a bit. 
I, I edited the, uh, the montage for that for social media. It took me like four and a half hours to go through it all. I suppose they, they made quite the impression just given the fact that Sony wasn't going to show up there. Uh, I wouldn't say it's been the best show they've done in recent years, because a lot of it was just like game after game after game after game after game, and a lot of that got like just lost in the shuffle, in all honesty. Even my like personal highlight, Cyberpunk 2077, it got another trailer, which I didn't think was really all that great of a trailer, honestly, but... You know, there was a moment afterwards, so but we'll get into that. Yeah, I remember trying to take notes um, for the Microsoft conference, and it was just moving at a really, really quick pace. You, you know, I, I, I do wonder how you guys, how you guys over in, uh, in games journalism do it. It's, it's a process. But uh, yeah, in terms of like big announcements, there, there was a ton, and we'll, we'll get into like probably the most important announcement at the end here. But uh, in terms of games, I'm, I'm gonna go with Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, like I said, the trailer itself wasn't really that compelling. It didn't really show, like, gameplay was it was pretty much just entirely a CGI. I, I don't know if it was CGI even. But at the end, we did get to see Keanu Reeves, which was a well-kept secret. And the reaction to that was something. He's also playing a pretty notable character. He's playing uh, Johnny Silverhand. Uh, if you're like me and you, and you did a little bit of research and you looked into Cyberpunk 2020, the, the pen and paper kind of board game, uh, he, he's a notable character. He's like pretty much one of the main characters in that story. So it'll be interesting to see him back in this and, and what they do with that character. So, But uh, what was your pick in terms of highlight or notable game? I'm a huge Dragon Ball fan, so uh, it's pretty plain to see that uh, I would take an interest in the, uh, the Dragon Ball project that was uh, announced last year at E3. Uh, it's now got itself a name, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. As the uh, official name of the Dragon Ball RPG, or action RPG, sorry, that was revealed late uh, last year at E3. So, when I initially saw it, I thought, oh, um, okay, action action game, RPG elements, Dragon Ball. Um, I really hope it doesn't follow the same way that Dragon Ball Sagas went. And um, as you know, we played it when I visited a couple of years, uh, a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, it's and, uh, not good. It was something. Not a, not a good game. But uh, no, I saw some. Uh, I saw some of the footage of the uh, of the E3 demo, and that sort of put my fears to rest. It looks quite solid. You sort of just fly around an overworld. You do quests. You fight. Uh, you fight your enemies in an action sort of uh, real time sort of battle thing. And to be fair, Dragon Ball as an RPG does work. Uh, the old NES uh, card battle games did it. Uh, you've also got the Legacy of Goku series on the Game Boy Advance, and uh, Attack of the Saiyans on the DS, which uh, I argue is probably one of the uh, one of the best Dragon Ball RPGs I've actually ever played. Uh, handles it pretty well. But what I do wonder with that game is uh, if the game is only just going to take a certain section of Dragon Ball and stop at Freezer or Cell, or if it's going to go the whole way through. A lot of Dragon Ball RPGs only tend to focus on certain sections of the timeline, so I'm. I'm expecting it's going to most likely end at uh, it's going to most likely end at freezer, uh, if not most likely sell. But uh, I suppose Dragon Ball aside, uh, the next big thing and that was really announced at the end was uh, Project Scarlet. Yeah, people have known about Project Scarlet for a while in terms of leaks and information and whatnot, but this is kind of officially where they came out and talked about it in great detail. We now know it'll be you know kicking off next year holiday season. But in terms of what we know so far. It's going to feature a custom-designed processor based on AMD's Zen 2 technology and GDDR6 memory. But to quote them, it'll make Project Scarlet four times more powerful than the Xbox One. Then this is where they kind of lost me. They started going into, like, resolution and frame rate, and, and the exact quote that they brought up was, 
resolution and frame rates we've never seen before. Now, let's be fair though they they do sort of they sort of throw that around with each new yeah, console. I remember um, very distinctly Sony would beat their chest that like the PlayStation Three would do 1080p, 120 FPS. So. The interesting thing, and the one thing I, I took away from it, um, aside from the claim of uh, 8K at 120 frames a second, um, was the idea that they're going to be using uh, they're going to be using solid state uh, solid state drives as virtual RAM. Now that's that's interesting. Yeah, like this, th- they're they're bringing back what what was a concept that they talked about a lot with the Xbox One initially, of it being a hybrid cloud console. They, they used to boast about that with the, the Xbox One when it was launching a while back. And I guess they never fully committed to that idea due to a lot of obvious reasons at the time. And I guess maybe the, the infrastructure just wasn't there for that. But probably another big notable thing is Halo Infinite, they confirmed, would be a launch title for it as well. So that, that's, that's pretty huge. Uh, this will be the first Xbox, I guess, ever since the original that'll be launching once again with the Halo title. So... I'm sure that'll at least drive some sales this time. But uh, in terms of the actual polls from our readers, 37% thought it was okay, 32% enjoyed it, 22% loved it, and only 6% of people hated it. Following that was uh, Bethesda, who made an appearance this year again, which uh, right away they went into Fallout 76 damage control. I don't forget people. Yeah, people. The promise of people and, and more quests and whatnot, the year two plan was uh, something. And uh, dialogue trees. Yeah, dialogue. They're, they're, they're going to try and make Fallout 76 a Fallout game. Incredible. <laughs> Honestly, that was probably my highlight of the of the conference, as sad as that is to say. Like, nothing else interested me too much. Like, I, I, I enjoy the original Doom, but I've yet to play Doom 2016, so I'm not on the, the Doom Eternal hype train, but I, I know you might have been. Funny so. you should mention that, because uh, I only just finished Doom 2016 yesterday, and it was quite a ride. Yeah. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but to me, my takeaway from Bethesda was probably that announcement for the game Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, I'm not entirely keen over the fact that there wasn't any gameplay shown, but I tend to trust Shinji Mikami. He's got a fairly decent track record, um, being the guy who directed uh, Resident Evil. Um, and I thought the Evil Within was alright. Uh, he got out uh, creative director Ikumi Nakamura to show off the trailer. Um, so, for those who aren't familiar with her, she was that uh, she was the girl who sort of announced the trailer, but she also did work on Bayonetta and Okami. So, um, I'm cautiously optimistic about the game. It's pretty much a it's an action uh, it's an action styled game with uh, horror elements, which is weird because Shinji Mikami made The Evil Within because he hated the fact that survival horrors were starting to become action games. But uh, what did the readers think of Bethesda? Oh boy, did our readers not care, and I, I can't fully blame them. Uh, like I said, a lot of this was just like, here's Fallout 76 content, please play it. Followed up by some Elder Scrolls Online stuff, new Rage 2 DLC, and a lot of the stuff was just stuff we already either knew about, or were kind of, you know, warm on, not necessarily excited for. So our readership, uh, 55% of Destructoid readers in the poll hated this conference. Uh, 32% thought it was okay, 11% enjoyed it, and less than a single percent, a .82% people loved it. Wow. If you like Doom, I'm sure you probably enjoyed that, that aspect. Doom Eternal looks great, but everything else at this conference was just kind of a big, eh, this death loop looked like a thing. But anyways, uh, moving on after that was Devolver Digital. And on the note of, uh, that looks like a thing, 
That about sums up that entire uh, Devolver Direct. I um, predicted that Devolver was going to do something that I couldn't take seriously, and they uh, they delivered. They brought something entertaining that I just couldn't take seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, Devolver are there because they do a bit. And you know what? Initially, I didn't like the bit, but it's grown on me. And I'm excited to see where this, this multi-year tale is going. But uh, in terms of, like, actual highlights or, or potential games that I guess interested me... I don't know, my friend Pedro looks fun. Ironically, I enjoyed the Devolver Boot League uh, announcement. It something. As it essentially takes the piss out of Boot League games, which is why I actually have a small collection of Boot League games, so I can take the piss out of them. Uh, just like that one Pokemon game I did. I uh, went to a friend's place and I played some of uh, Hotline Milwaukee for a good couple of hours, and uh, now it was uh, it was pretty good. It was, re- it was released sort of later that day. Now, Devolver, I think they just took the piss out of a Nintendo Direct, didn't they? Yeah, like they just basically mimicked the Direct style. That, that was whole, the whole kind of parody of that. Uh, unfortunately, we don't, we don't have a poll for that, so we, we kind of just... We at Destructoid took it uh, less seriously than the other conferences and more or less just recorded on the games themselves, so... But uh, that wraps up the first day of E3, so um, we'll start the second day with the PC gaming show. That one I had to get up fairly early for as well. But I think the one thing that... The one thing that I was a bit surprised about with the PC gaming show is um, I was half expecting it to be a conference where they talked about hardware, and uh, they didn't. It was only just that uh, that mention about the the gaming chair and like a Samsung screen. Yeah. But they, other than that, they showed video games. Yeah, a lot of them. I added the uh, the the social media montage for that as well. I slept in for that. I, I didn't want to get up that early. Um, but uh, in terms of like, I guess notable games that you know piqued my interest for the PC gaming show. Probably the most was Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. That was pretty much my highlight of the night, honestly, that day. So some of the animations of combat look really janky, but like everything else has me pretty excited about that. In terms of tone, the setting in Seattle, and the, the atmosphere in that, I'm excited for that game. So uh, I guess my takeaway from the PC gaming show, and uh, I had to wait till the very end of it before I, um, before I could hear anything about it, was... Uh, Baldur's Gate 3. So uh, that's something I've been looking forward to for a very, very long time. So uh, my uh, my teen- my early teenage years, uh, in my teenage years, was grew- I grew up playing Baldur's Gate 1 and uh, both versions of Baldur- uh, Baldur's Gate 2 uh, with a good friend of mine, Richard. Um, we even co-opted the Dark Alliance games. We even played the, uh, the other games that were sort of based in the universe, the Champions games. Um, so we were pretty big into Baldur's Gate uh, back in the day. The game's going to use the 5th edition D&D handbook as a guide, and in between the uh, in between the release, or just before the release, it's going to actually have a tabletop RPG that's set in between Baldur's Gate 2 and 3, that's coming out in September. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 takes place about 100 years after the end of Baldur's Gate 2, Thrones of Baal. Um... And their stance, I suppose, on when the game's coming out, the the guys just said, it'll be ready when it's ready. I've had some good experiences with uh, with Baldur's Gate, and uh, I am really looking forward to it. But um, what did your readers think of it? Surprisingly, like, a lot of people had the same initial thought, like, this would be another, like, hardware showcase and talking heads for hours on end. But surprisingly, it was a pretty competent show. 38% of our people uh, thought it was okay. 34% enjoyed it. 21% hated it, so there's going to be some people out there that clearly named here, but only about 5% people loved it. Overall, a better-than-expected show from uh, from the PC gaming show, which is good. I, th- I think they've found their groove, in all honesty. Following that, later in the evening, was Ubisoft. I think the big takeaway I, 
I suppose, from uh, Ubisoft, at least for both of us, was uh, that new Watch Dogs game. Yeah, in all honesty, there was pretty much nothing else that piqued my interest in that entire show. But uh, Watch Dogs Legion looks interesting. It, it's a very, it's a neat concept. It has me more interested than, like, any of the, the other previous games. Essentially, to take control of, as they as they say, any NPC and recruit them, I guess, into the, uh, the DedSec resistance or whatever in, in a post-Brexit UK, which... For a company that's been so like, oh, we don't dabble in politics. Oh boy, are they just going into the deep end of the pool on that one. But uh, I, for one, look forward to um, playing the game with uh, nothing but a team of old people. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the old lady highlight of her just zapping that lady from behind her, then just going up to the other guy and tapping him on the shoulder and then just blasting him with a desert needle was something. Other than that, I was disappointed to not see any more Beyond It and Evil 2. I've been waiting for that game for very long time and when they showed it off last year i was pretty excited this year it was a no-show so i'm hoping that hasn't vanished in the void again for a decade but we'll have to wait and see i feel with ubisoft um they might as well have just uh, aside from the uh, the watchdogs and beyond good and evil stuff they they might as well just uh rename the conference to the tom clancy oh boy conference. yeah uh tom clancy has done very well for them in terms of those series so it, it doesn't surprise me too much that they are you know, doubling down on those games but as for our readership over at Destructoid, 46% of people thought it was just okay, 39% of people hated it, 11% uh, of people enjoyed it, and only 2% of people loved it. Curious about those 2%. Must be hardcore Division fans or something. But moving along, uh, later that later that evening and later that afternoon for me, uh, we had Square Enix. Yes, yeah, Square Enix had a had a moment for me. It's more of an in joke than anything, but it was it. That's a, it's, it's a moment for me, too. <laughs> it became yeah. a highlight for me. So to, so to break it down, our friend Justin, he, he's co-hosted the show before. He was on the Battlefront episode and stuff. It's going to be in future episodes. He's not really a big Final Fantasy fan. He, I shouldn't say that. He just really hasn't played any of the games. He's seen the movie. But anyways, he knows about them enough. Like He knows about Final Fantasy and all that, but he wasn't really hyped to see more Final Fantasy. He went into the score in its press conference waiting for the Avengers announcement to, to see more of the Avengers video game. And throughout the show, the show, we, we thought it would be about an hour long on the spot, a good solid 60 minutes. So when we were coming up on that, like, 55-minute mark and they hadn't shown any Avengers yet and just, like, nothing but JRPG after JRPG after JRPG, they had, they had remasters, they had collections, they had... If you like Final Fantasy, boy, oh boy, was this the conference for you. And then uh, combine that with rumors flying around that the uh, the Avengers thing that they were going to show was only going to be a 30-second trailer. He was in a pretty salty mood by this point, after sitting through almost an hour of JRPG announcements, just waiting for that Avengers announcement. But uh, then uh, came this bit uh, towards the end of the conference where it says, To the fans who have been waiting, flashes on the screen. Which is then followed up by, at long last. We thought for sure, like, oh, this has to be the Avengers thing. So in that moment, I said, oh, this is it. This is the Avengers stuff. And then right as I said that, Final Fantasy VIII flashes on screen. <laughs> and he he left the Discord. We, we just burst out laughing. More or less at his expense. So. Oh, but uh, no, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was probably my biggest highlight it was, of uh, the entire thing. It was just, pretty good. Just how Justin reacted to good. it. He, he came back afterwards, but he, he was... 
I don't think he'll ever play Final Fantasy VIII. It's just a hunch. He was not a happy boy. For for that specific in in joke moment, that was probably my pick of the pick of the show was Final Fantasy VIII, the remaster for that, which looks okay. It has some new models, it's a little choppy, but I'm I'm surprised it's happening. As as rumor goes, that the code for that game is kind of gone. Yeah, just uh, look at Kingdom Hearts. Jeez, but um, the conference as we explained earlier was huge if you're a jrpg fan uh, so the what they opened up on was uh, the final fantasy 7 remake which is due in march 2020 yeah the first episode they're still sticking with that episodic kind of approach which is interesting to say the least so it's been flying around that the first part was only just going to cover the whole stuff that happens in midgard they've been using interesting like terminology that they insist that like the length of this first episode would be the length of a full-fledged final fantasy game and that this is going to be more of a, not necessarily a full-blown remake in terms of the, the narrative, but more of a reimagining in terms of the narrative. So, like, we'll probably get, like, the first Midgar section and then some in terms of, like, a whole new approach to Midgar, I think. Especially if they need to pad this out to, to be the length of a full game as they as they claim. Uh, they brought back the ATB bar, which is an interesting concept. It sort of feels similar to a limit bar, really, because you're... Your attacks on that fill up the bar, and you use special attacks or you use your materia spells um, to do that. They also had like a tactical mode where you could um, where you could assign uh, where you could assign all of your um, all of your actions manually to your characters. Yeah, and it slows down time and stuff, which is neat. Like my overall takeaway from that combat was, it feels like more or less they're leaning into 15's combat a bunch while introducing elements from Final Fantasy VII. There was a great quote out of E3 as well that, like, they don't know actually when they'll have this all wrapped up or said and done, so... Final Fantasy VII will be an ongoing thing for a while, I think. I'm hoping, you know, the second part will cover off what happens in Disc 1, maybe a third part to cover Disc 2, and a fourth part to cover Disc 3. Yeah, I'm very curious what this new concept will be or how they'll expand on this story. And I suppose, uh, and I suppose uh, the thing that Justin was waiting for, uh, Avengers finally got more than just a teaser trailer from a couple of years yes. ago. Yes, we, we got a full-blown reveal, thankfully. Like, the, the rumors of this being, like, another 30-second, like, teaser nonsense trailer were not true. The, we got some plot details about this Avengers game, so uh, they um, just avowed a new headquarters or something over in San Fran uh, celebrating A-Day. Uh, things go wrong, and that... Uh, that results in San Francisco getting partially destroyed and um, Captain America supposedly perishing in the process. Though, unless you're Uncle Ben in a Marvel's comic uh, book, uh, who stays dead? But uh, the game picks up five years later as the Avengers need to sort of team up once more to save the world because I think they they did the whole um, outlawed superheroes thing so um, the Avengers had to sort of disband. In regards to hot takes, though, a lot of people weren't particularly too uh, too pleased by the models they used for the Avengers. They were sort of hoping that they'd model them after the uh, their MCU camera. Yeah, I didn't care about that at all, and that'd be way too expensive, so I'd get the logic here. Yeah, I, I wasn't too fussed about it. I was more kind of bothered by how just... I don't know, it didn't like impress me in terms of any sort of gameplay element to it, in all honesty. I think Spider-Man for the PS4 set the bar high. And that's so. just one superhero. Imagine trying to do the same thing with, like seven or eight of them yeah more. I'm, I'm shocked they went with like immediately going into the avengers and maybe not attempt to do an iron man game or something but in terms of our readership uh destructoid for those who don't know a lot of a lot of fans here of jrpgs on the site so a lot of folks were very pleased with this conference uh 36 of people loved it 38 of people enjoyed it 20 percent thought it was just okay and only four percent of people hated it 
So it was definitely one of the better shows for a lot of, a lot of our readers on the site. And I can't blame them. There's a lot of stuff here. They, they showed a ton of Final Fantasy VII. They showed off, you know, a kick-ass collector edition that cost, like, $300. And yeah, you know, there was Avengers at the end as well, for even the people that didn't quite care about the JRPG stuff, like Justin. And so that brings us to our last conference, which is the Nintendo Direct. So, um, I think you slept in for that one. I had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch this. I watched it for an hour, went back to sleep, got up again and went to work. But, um... Nintendo brought out a whole bunch of things to the table. The one I thought that you would be the most interested in was Animal Crossing. Yeah, and you are right. Uh, I was very excited for Animal Crossing. That's one of the reasons I bought a Switch. And it looks charming as hell. I love the art style. I'm excited for uh, basically just all the approaches that they're taking with this. Some of the new details that they're throwing in. Like, you can, you don't need a bridge anymore. You can just use a little pole to jump over the river. Oh, man. It's dumb little shit, but man, do I like it. And uh, they, even ha- they even have, like, a different seasons weather now for northern and southern hemispheres. So when I'm playing with you, I'll be able to, like, see winter in August. That'll be neat. Mm. And I'll be seeing winter in December, which is the way it's portrayed in, like, just about everything <laughs> that comes out nowadays. But, uh, uh it, it's some I just unfortunate news. It doesn't bother me too much. It was delayed until March, but like I said, it doesn't bother me because the release schedule is already pretty bonkers, in all honesty. Yeah, I can't believe uh, they laid off Mr. Rossetti. They got rid of Mr. Rossetti. They introduced auto-saving, which uh, stops the one man who tells you off for turning the game off without saving. I really hope in, like, the shot section of the game, he's just homeless. (laughs) I'll mark out (laughs) if that's the case. Uh, I'm hoping that he gets reassigned. Uh, He gets reassigned and tells you off if you attempt to time travel. Um, one of my takeaways, I guess, from Nintendo was uh, Link's Awakening. So, um, although, you know, we heard about it ages ago, I'm still optimistic for it. Um, they announced in the Direct that there's a new feature where you can actually make your own sort of dungeon. Uh, which is pretty neat, and you also get rewards for beating your own dungeon as well. Uh, they brought out the... Um, they sort of revealed that you can still steal from the shop, like in the original where you grab what you want and go behind the shopkeeper's back and then he'll probably brand you a thief and try to kill you the next time you go in there. Afterwards, I saw the uh, the collector's edition for it and I'm uh, I'm really impressed with that steelbook case. I love that Game Boy look to it. Although I am wondering, though, if that's still going to have that color-exclusive dungeon that Link's Awakening DX on the Game Boy Color did because they, they made a big song and dance about this, uh, this game being in color. So here's a dungeon where you need to rely on colors to beat. I doubt it, but we'll have to uh, wait and see. <laughs> And uh, on the topic of Legend of Zelda, a sequel to the Breath of the Wild got announced as well. Yeah, that was kind of one of the big surprises of the show was a like a full-blown sequel to Breath of the Wild in the sense that, like, it's not just like a new Zelda, but it's, it's in terms of narrative, it's going to be a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild. So that's, it's interesting. I'm curious to see where they go with that or how they expand on the map that's already there, potentially, and change it up a bit or, or if they even go somewhere else. I don't know. But there's also No More Heroes 3 and, like, a whole bunch of other stuff. Our readership, you know, a lot of Nintendo fans on Destructoid.com, so to nobody's surprise, considering that they have, in my opinion, Nintendo have a formula, and they have nailed that formula. Like, their directs have all but replaced any kind of onstage presence they have, and I get why. They're, they're ahead of the curve on this. And Sony are even chasing after that now, with their their, their state of play, or whatever the hell they're called. Uh, 71% of our readership loved it, 19% enjoyed it, 7% thought it was okay, and only 2% of people hated it. 
Uh, so a lot of Nintendo fans over here at Destructoid, and uh, I, I can't blame them. There was there was a lot shown off here. This was a fantastic direct. Whether you're a Smash fan, a Zelda fan, a Pokemon fan, or if you're looking forward to Animal Crossing, it was shown off. Overall, though, E3 2019, it, it certainly felt like an end-of-life cycle in terms of, of console generation. We know what is coming out for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I, I think we're going to see the swan song of those consoles in, in the form of those various games, such as Death Stranding, maybe The Last of Us 2, stuff like that. And it was uh, definitely a more of a, a winding down sort of approach. And But uh, do you have any uh, closing notes that you want to say? Um, nothing really. I think if I had to pick one of those conferences out of all of them to thoroughly enjoy, it would be a hard pick between uh, between Square and Nintendo for me. Like, I'm, I'm big on JRPGs as well, and I feel that Square Enix is sort of on some weird sort of redemption path uh, where they're sort of regaining a lot of that faith I've lost. Unless you're a DSX fan. Yes, yes, which I am. <laughs> so uh, it's not entirely all back yet. E3 this year, I think it would be somewhere between Square Enix and Nintendo that's probably been my favourites uh, for this year. Yeah, I think I would lean more towards Nintendo and the PC gaming show, which I didn't think I'd be saying. I thought the PC gaming show would be like, They'd be bringing out AMD or something, or, or or NVIDIA to talk about ray tracing for like 30 minutes and I'd fall asleep. But no, they, they just had like a fucking lineup of games, like I said, including Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, which is probably my most anticipated game, so, you know, I have to squeeze it in there for that reason. But what are your highlights from E3? Let us know down below. 